0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620.
1: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Eric Bilsett, do you find yourself being... I don't know less less patient maybe nowadays than you typically are <laughs> sure well right yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean well well, well me too and, and like here here's here's the deal I mean look everybody just with circumstances over the last 9 months everybody is on their last nerve between between the the pandemic and how you know people are worried about themselves Mm -hmm. getting sick and people Mm -hmm. close to them getting sick and the closures that have come from that. So you've got that. You've got the various social justice movement issues that are in the news all the time. And, you know, if you've got a business you're worried about, gee, is there going to be a protest that breaks out the window? So so you've got that. And we all have our very strong feelings on how should we be handling the coronavirus and how should we be handling social justice protests. And then, of course, you've got this thing going on. Oh, yes, there's an election. and. Uh, Everybody um, yeah. is on – everybody, I think, is on their last nerve. How are you doing? Why are you asking? You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that type yeah. of, of stuff. And, and I, look, I – I, I could not have done this show for you know as long as I've done it without having a a, a real thick skin. I mean I, I I mean I understand people react to the stuff I have and they, they send you all sorts of stuff and that's why I, I kind of almost kiddingly start pretty minute a lot of the programs with just some of the notes I get from, for example, people thinking I should be working for MSNBC because I've now become so liberal to oh you know, I can't believe you said this about the governor. How could you you know not do this, etc cetera, et cetera? So it it's just all across mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. spectrum. Okay, then you sort of over. So all that's going on, and, and we are. I'm with you. I'm I'm a pretty good natured guy, but you're not immune to that. Oh, you sure, know, and, right, so, right. and and I do notice that the the criticism, be, the, the comments become nastier and they become more hostile. But that, that's okay. I get paid twice a month. You know, that's what I get paid to, right. to do that. So so you have you have that going on. But I admit it, it kind of sort of wears on you. And then you know you talk about like stuff going on your personal. For example, we did WTMJ 2021 yesterday. Mm-hmm had a great time and I, I appreciate what we're doing is radio we're not you know laying bricks and stuff but it, it's 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 a difficult sort of thing you know we we it's in addition to like doing the regular shows we have to find the guests we have yep. to schedule the guests you need to do the interviews yeah, yeah. right and I, I special thank you to my producer grew who helped me over the course of the last couple of weeks you find it but it, it's just like another thing that that's going on and, and so you get this this whole universe of stuff that's happening so I admit I'm tired and maybe a little more cranky than I used to be. So I go home last night after work and and I've forgotten that I promised my wife that we would go out we we needed a new appliance so at the end of the day yesterday the last thing i wanted to do was go <laughs> oh, shop man. for an appliance but i had i had promised my wife that we would go so yeah. all right we we go out we we find the the appliance and you know buy the appliance going to have that delivered that's fine so we go home and then for reasons that pass understanding instead of just kind of sitting down and making a, a drink and, and chilling i i decide to Try to program some electronic device, and without going into details, it wasn't working. <laughs> you know, oh, I, the, yeah. the the device I was trying to program it was it was incompatible with the device I was trying to program it yeah, to. Yeah. So, and, and it's it's like ten or fifteen minutes, and I admit I'm just I, I'm just it, I'm kind of getting crankier and crankier and crankier. And then Fran comes in, and she she offers, "Is there any?" And she says, "Is there anything I can do to help?" And I kind of snapped, and
0: it, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, no. well, and
1: I feel bad about this, but I, I know because I'm just I. It's kind of like I'm frustrated. I'm not yeah. frustrated with her or anything. It's right. just the the circumstances, argh, you know. And and so yeah, I, I kind of snap. And she's like, oh, "Boy, you're really cranky." And then of course, when somebody tells you you're being cranky, what's your <laughs> first response? <laughs> I'm not being cranky, yeah, yeah. etc. Right? You, you you kind of get yeah. defensive about this, but I I know I'm being cranky. I, I get that. So I just I, I so it's like all this stuff kind of coming to a head. I'm not, I'm not cranky, out, you know. And so so I, I go upstairs and. um I decide, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna chill out. I go up to my office. I kind of log onto the computer. And, and then something happens that puts it all in perspective. I I get this, this email from our marketing facilitator, Kirsten Tomlinson, Mm -hmm. who's just, you know, and this is the note. Um, she says, Jeff, I thought I'd forward this to you. I was going through our, I was going through our, our Facebook stuff. Our WTMJ Facebook message is, I came across this one, and I wanted to make sure you saw it. And it, it's addressed to me and to Gene Miller. And immediately when I see this, I'm thinking, oh, it's somebody else that's complaining, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's somebody, I'm, I'm thinking, I, this, is, this is not the time for this. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking. Here, here's the note. Um, hi. This message is for Jeff Wagner. Jeff, you lost one of your biggest fans on Thursday, September 10th, when my 97 year old mother, Dorothy of Wawatosa, passed away peacefully in her sleep. She had been living with my husband and I for over a year due to a fall that left her unable to live independently and had recently started home hospice. Her radio was faithfully tuned to WTMJ every day, where she enjoyed Gene Miller's morning show and your afternoon program. Thank you for providing her with continued news and thoughtful insights into the unique world we find ourselves living in. You gave her dinner conversation to share with us each evening sincerely and then Lynn and Tom from mm-hmm. Normandy Falls and i'm reading that and you know all of a sudden it's just kind of like okay right right <laughs> oh, okay it just completely and totally made my day and then i it's i, I went down and i said to, I apologize to fran for being cranky and all that stuff but it it's it's like it's like stuff like that. I start off every program like read, reading some like cranky letter from sure. somebody on the right or left. But every once in a while, you get that stuff, and you think, "This is pretty cool." What we end up doing, yep, yep, and life is good. Life is life is good. We've got a lot of stuff coming up on our program today. Today's program, though, it's it's dedicated to Dorothy. Dorothy, you, wherever you are listening from, up in the heavens, you will enjoy the program. Um, I might get a little cranky during the show, but Dorothy, this one is for you. We're back to kick it off in just a minute.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Welcome back to the program. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I thought I thought this was interesting. Sean Ono Lennon, who is the child of former Beatles John Lennon and Yoko Ono. John Lennon, interestingly, um, had he not been murdered back in nineteen eighty, he would have uh, been eighty years old last week. His birthday was October 9th, 1940, so he would have been eighty years old. Of course, um, he, he died. He was murdered 40 years ago. Uh, just th- That's one of those things where if you were around at the time, you, you remember it, it was a Monday night. They broke into Monday night football. Howard Cosell was doing that. You know, everybody remembers it. But anyways, Sean Ono Lennon is a musician in his own right. I um, never thought I would necessarily do this, but I, I just sent out a tweet featuring Sean Ono Lennon. Um, interestingly enough, of of all the people out there, He has decided to slap back at both political correctness and the Portland rioters. I mean, here's the deal. A couple days ago, of course, um, you had the the rioters in Portland. Monday was Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day, whatever you want to call it. And you had some of the, the perpetual rioters in Portland who decided that what they were going to do is they were going to vandalize a statue of Abraham Lincoln and also vandalize a a statue of Theodore Roosevelt and the justification apparently between vandalizing and destroying the Lincoln statue and the Teddy Roosevelt statue was the idea that um, they were trying to I don't know, fight humanity's past wrongs. This is, you know, this is, it's it's white privilege. And yes, you know, Abraham Lincoln, yes, he was responsible for the Emancipation Proclamation and for freeing the slaves, but he didn't go far enough. And Teddy Roosevelt, the same sort of thing. So anyhow, Sean Ono Lennon, responding to the destruction of the Lincoln and the Roosevelt statues, he he sends out a tweet, says, um, can somebody explain why it appears a Lincoln statue was toppled in Portland? Asking for a friend. <laughs> then he says the pyramids of Giza were made under coercion from evil pharaohs who were not very woke. I think we can all agree that the pyramids should be turned t- uh, torn down immediately, since the invasion of Britain by the Emperor Julius Caesar Caesar in fifty five B C. Italy has remained deafeningly silent. I think it's time Italy was held accountable. Um. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's it, that's it. So if you want to see the full tweets, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But it is kind of interesting. What What about those pyramids? I mean, how are we allowing those pyramids that were built by the evil pharaoh? How are we allowing them to stand? Shouldn't we be turning and tearing them down as well? If we're going after the Lincoln or the Roosevelt statues, Sean Ono Lennon adding some interesting wisdom to the political correctness debate. All right. I have I am on record, and yesterday during our WTMJ 2021 discussion, one of the people we talked to was the Wauwatosa Police Chief, Barry Weber. I am a huge fan of, of Chief Weber. I am also a huge fan of Kenosha County Sheriff David Beth. And during the David Beth interview yesterday, one of the things that, that he said was that the the riots in Kenosha that led to millions of dollars in damage and 30, um, 30 buildings being burned and all that destruction, he said, you know, the first couple nights, it was based on the simple fact that law enforcement was outmanned. They, they were in a defensive position. They did not have enough support from, from other agencies. There weren't enough National Guards people. They were in a defensive situation. They could not control the streets. And as a result, you saw what happened happened. Law enforcement agencies throughout this area, throughout the state, maybe throughout the country, I think have learned from that. And in Wauwatosa, what they had been doing for literally months in anticipation of civil unrest, as a result, once the district attorney issued the Joseph Mensa decision, um, they, they were prepared. They were not going to allow what happened in Wawatosa, what happened in Kenosha, to happen in Wawatosa. So you had a massive police presence. Look, it, as I've said before... There's no secret in Walwatosa that D.A. John Chisholm was never going to issue criminal charges against Officer Joseph Mensa. It, it, it just wasn't. And, and I think part of that was because nobody seriously looks at the facts of that case and, and believes that this isn't a situation where, you know, reasonable force w- was used um it's it's this isn't a situation where you have somebody shooting somebody else that's unarmed unfortunately the young man had a gun he brandished the gun I, no jury in the world would have ever convicted officer joseph mensa of misconduct and that was pretty apparent all along in addition the other thing in walwatosa that is different than some of these other areas is you you don't have the the overt racial issue Uh, This is not a situation where you have a white police officer shooting uh, uh, an unarmed black man, for example. Officer Mensah is black. The victim of the shooting, the 17-year-old, was black. So you take that racial component out of there as well. So it's a little bit of a different story. But nevertheless, there has been a small, and it is comparatively small, but vocal group of people who have been protesting in Wauwatosa. It was very clear that authorities were not going to allow Wauwatosa protests to get out of hand. And so you you had you had a large police presence. You had a curfew that was put into place and you had the curfew that was enforced. You know, it was a seven o'clock curfew. And the rule was, hey, after seven o'clock, you know, we're, we're going to tell people to disperse. And if you don't disperse, we're going to disperse you. And if you don't disperse and you don't disperse after we try to do it, you are, in fact, going to be arrested. The first night they had what I will describe as a modicum of violence. You had a number of windows that were broken. You had a gas station on the border of Wauwatosa and Milwaukee that was looted. But as a general rule, you you did not have anything compared to like what you had in Kenosha. And the next night was more under control, and the next night was more under control. Now, last night, you had another example of a handful, and, and we're not we're not talking hundreds. We're talking dozens of people who, again, have decided that, that they're going to go and engage in protests, and they're going to shine lights in people's homes, and they're going to try to disrupt stuff. But it, it's a small group. And the Kenosha and the Wauwatosa police, again, they responded to that. And I think they ended up making one arrest. And, yes, they used pepper spray or tear gas or whatever it is to disperse the crowd. But they have put a priority on maintaining public safety and not allowing stuff to get under control. Into this wades the new county executive from Milwaukee County, David Crowley, And the chairwoman of the Milwaukee County Board, Marcella Nicholson, who write a letter to Wauwatosa officials saying that the police response to recent unrest in the city has, quote, created a more violent, more dangerous situation for everyone in the area of protests. For five nights in a row, Milwaukee County residents have peacefully protested in the city of Milwaukee only to be met with barricades and aggression when attempting to enter the city of Wauwatosa, says Nicholson and um, Crowley. They then went on to note the arrests of Coles of the Alvin Cole's mother and his sisters on Thursday night. They wrote they are concerned by the, quote, disproportionate nature of the police response to the peaceful protests of Milwaukee County residents advocating for a change. We anticipate more protests by Milwaukee County residents going forward, and an overly aggressive police response to peaceful protesters creates unnecessary public safety risks and put our, puts our residents' First Amendment rights in jeopardy. An aggressive response only serves to escalate tensions, fan the flames of division, and embolden those who seek to use protest rallies or marches as a platform for vandalism and destruction. However, it is concerning that over the last five nights. The response of Wawatosa police officers has created a more violent, more dangerous situation for everyone in the area of the protests. Let me read that last line again. It is concerning that over the last five nights, the response of Wauwatosa police officers has created a more violent, more dangerous situation for everyone in the area of the protests. Here is my question. What planet, Does Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley and County Board Chairwoman Marcella Nicholson, what planet do they live on? All right, peaceful protest was allowed to go on. There was a curfew that was put in place. The rule said, all right, you know, once that curfew rolls around, you have to disperse. If people didn't disperse, well, the police ended up making arrests. If you threw a brick, if you threw a rock, at police officers, yeah, you, you were going to be apprehended and arrested, but they weren't going to allow things to get out of control. So let's tee this up. Apparently, some people, including some elected officials, think the response in Wauwatosa to trying to protect the citizens and protect the streets made things worse. Do you buy that? 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line, made things worse. Candidly, I think were it not for the police response in Wauwatosa, you would have seen a, at least a lot more damage. I don't know that it would have been Kenosha, because like I say, this, this, these protests didn't have the, the, the fuel that, that the Kenosha protests had. But it seems to me... The police did everything they could. They handled this correctly, and I hope they continue to handle this correctly. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident mortgage talk and text line. And in particular, if you live in that area, if you live in Wauwatosa, are you glad that the authorities didn't allow it to get under control? We discuss in a minute
0: back to take your calls here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner 855-616-1620 let's start with Mike in Berlin Mike you're on WTMJ good afternoon
2: hey Jeff how are
1: you real well thank you what do you think
2: yeah I
3: think you summed it up pretty well on those um, uh, quote unquote political leaders uh,
0: calling them clueless and you asked what planet from they're <laughs> from I would say planet Tom <laughs> um, I, as I told your screener um, I had seen everything that happened in Kenosha, but I had never seen it in person. I saw it on TV like most people. I drove by there last week, and I drove by one of the lots that had the cars burned out. You know, there was the boards were still on a lot of the businesses, but that scene in particular um, spoke volumes to me uh, because it just showed the violence and destruction that could have happened in Wauwatosa if the police did not do what they did.
1: Well, you know, I- exactly. And I, I was listening to, I was watching one of the news accounts of like a, 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 a city meeting that they had, I, I think it was last night, and you have some of these city council members who were critical of the mayor, and they were saying things like, well, we, you know, we, we had this huge police response all because of a, of a few broken windows. Well, well, first of all, it's easy to say when it's not the windows of your home being busted, and it's not the windows of your business that are being busted, but, but more importantly, it's a question of what could have happened, and like you say, you, I mean, you saw what happened in Kenosha, they did not want to allow that to happen in Wauwatosa. And who can fault them? Absolutely.
2: I agree with
1: you 100%. Yeah, thanks to call. Appreciate it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, as I said earlier, in Wauwatosa, the, the protesters had been very, very vocal, but a, a smaller group. But, but you had seen the thing. I mean, this is the same protest group that showed up. Outside the home of Joseph Mensa's for, former home, of his girlfriend, you know, with the idea that here we're going to vandalize the outside, and somebody brings a shotgun and they fire around through the the kitchen screen door. How could the police have just said, "Okay, we're going to let people roam the streets"? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, it seems to me here's some text that we have plenty of examples where the police just stood by, and there was a lot of looting and rioting going on when they were just standing by. So why wouldn't we take appropriate action to stop it from even even starting by using sprep- uh, the the pepper spray, Jeff. If Portland ever gets tired of rioting, looting, and destruction, then it sounds like Milwaukee County would welcome those less than peaceful factions to carry on here. Um, Jeff, I've wondered, regarding the protests, if the point is to be peacefully heard, why are they not taking place at noon in open daylight when many people are out and about and then go home when the sun sets? There certainly seems to be a strong interest in doing this at night when you are least visible and the fewest people are out to see you. Well, that's, you know, a very, very interesting, a very, very interesting concept because, you know, candidly, up until the time of the curfew, they you know, protesters were given great leeway. But it is interesting. Some of the groups they want to do it at night. They want to create as much of a disturbance as they possibly can. You want to run through neighborhoods and try to disturb the peace. You want to shine lights into people's you know homes. It's like how much disruption can we cause? Jeff, I agree. The Wawatosa police handled this correctly. Well done. Peaceful protests were allowed. Not stupidly tolerated. Good model moving forward. I say congratulations to Wauwatosa. Um, Jeff, this is the problem with unrest. Elected liberal officials pander to um, some of their populations for the vote instead of calling out violence. Well, and again, there there wasn't violence in general in Walwatosa. There was there was a limited degree of vandalism. But don't you think it would have been worse had there not been the response? Jeff, who would David Crowley call if a riot showed up in his neighborhood? And at his doorstep, who would he call or look to to solve the problem? He seems the ants have an answer for everybody else. Well, I think that's it. Jeff, peaceful protests happen during the day. Protesting at night is a way for rioters and looters to hide under the cover of darkness and create fear in residents and business owners alike. Not exclusively. Not exclusively. You you can have peaceful protests at night, but in Wauwatosa, they decided to impose a curfew. And my guess is 80 to 85 percent of those people who live in Wauwatosa are glad about this. Jeff, I have lived in Wauwatosa all my life. I just bought my first home here. I, for one, am very Happy with the response of the police. It definitely made me and my family feel safe. Jeff, I commend the Tosa Police Department. It's absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe these remarks are coming from elected officials. Um, yeah, it, it's it. Jeff, it's just political posturing by these two. Um, if there was burning and looting in their neighborhoods, perhaps they would sing a different Jeff, you always talk about the broken window philosophy. That's literally what Wauwatosa police are doing. Few broken windows would lead to much more damaging violence and unrest. They squashed that the first night after a few broken windows. And now we haven't had much of anything since. Jeff, Wauwatosa has handled the recent situation well. It was good to see the mayor step up with the police chief, Barry Weber. Yeah, that's That's where I think the majority of people are. Now, I understand there's always going to be a few squeaky wheels who are pandering to certain segments of their constituencies. I I get it. I I understand that. But I think the vast majority of taxpaying citizens are are glad about that. I also think one of the things... That leads to the problems, for example, you had in Kenosha, where, again, I had Sheriff David Beth on the program yesterday. He, he acknowledged that they, they were outmanned. And one of the things that happened, and I think, led to the unfortunate acts of violence a couple nights later, where you have armed militia showing up, which I think almost everybody would agree is not a good idea. Right. But one of the things that led to that was a perception that authorities civil civilian authorities had lost control. So now we need people to take the law into their own hands. That that is not a good idea. That didn't happen in Wawatosa. There wasn't any question at all that civilian authorities had things under control. They were not going to let it get out of hand, whether it's from some of the local protesters or whether it was from people who might have wanted to come in from out of town, out of state, wherever to cause problems. Kenosha, Kenosha, Wawatosa was not going to let that happen. And candidly, I agree with a couple of our texters. I hope that that's a model. For things as we move forward, Um, Jeff, I think there's a difference between protesting and harassing. If I protest, I'm not shining lights into houses. Um, yeah. Jeff, when does protesting become anarchy? They have been at this for over 130 days. Enough is enough. And officials condemning the Wauwatosa response should be ashamed of themselves. Jeff, I live in Wauwatosa. It was so disturbing to see all the boarded up buildings. If the damage that occurred with if the damage had occurred with all the police presence, what have ha- would have happened with minimal police presence? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff, I live one block from where arrests were made due to curfew violations. I live three blocks away from City Hall where other protests occurred during the rest of... The, the weekend. I would like to thank you for giving me this opportunity to say thank you so much to our city leaders and police departments and the National Guard for doing such an amazing job in keeping us all in Wawatosa safe. The protesters' message has been heard and it's time to start marching for many of their unattainable goals. Those changes they are marching for that are attainable now need to happen in meetings around a table. Stop the marches, stop scaring people in the peaceful community who have seen so much Violence occurring around the country under the guise of peaceful protests. Well, that's it. Jeff, um, the role is to protect and serve the people. That is what the police ended up doing. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just. I think you just kind of look at this and you understand, believe me, that, that you're not going to please everybody. And there's some people who say, well, they turned they turned Wauwatosa into this armed encampment. Well, what they did is they were protecting the citizens of Wawatosa. They wanted to make sure that the protests did not get out of control. They achieved that. And and that they're going to be on top of this moving forward. And so, yes, the bottom line is, if people are intent on roaming through the streets late at night and trying to create disturbances and trying to shine lights into people's houses, and if gets to breaking windows and stuff, you at least know it's not going to be tolerated in Wauwatosa. And I think that's the appropriate message to send. I give them an A, regardless of criticism from the county executive and the county board chairwoman, both of whom's response to this, I think, could charitably be described as both disappointing and, as I said, clueless.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Discover the Pella difference at PellaWI.com. Hey, uh, during our, our WTMJ 2021 program yesterday, we, we had, I, I was responsible for two segments. In the 10 o'clock hour, we did law enforcement and had conversations with former Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales, Kenosha County Sheriff David Beth, and um, Wawatosa Police Chief Barry Weber. Those are available online if you missed it yesterday. And then during the 2 o'clock hour, we had a conversation. I was responsible for our entertainment showcase. And we talked um, about what it's like to be a performer or a booker, or a promoter, or an event organizer in the pandemic world. And we, we spoke to Kathleen O'Leary from the Wisconsin State Fair, and Bob Babish from Summerfest, and musician Warren Wegratz. And we also talked to noted comedian John McGivern, who um, probably best known maybe for his show on Milwaukee Public Television around the corner. But it was an interesting sort of conversation. And John said that he's um, coming back. He's going to be at the Paps Theater. The Paps Theater is going to reopen for the first time in eight months. For a a holiday show that John McGivern is going to be putting on, it's a one-person show. It's called Up Close, but not too close for the holidays. It's going to be staged 16 times, um, Friday through Sunday, November 20th through December 20th, limited number of seats that are being sold and, and people are going to be socially distanced, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it, it's the first live show that the PAPS is going to be doing in eight months. And John was talking about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, tickets for that go on sale on Friday. And um, I appreciate John coming on the program and doing the interview. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link. To you know, more of the details about the show. And it's, it's one of those, again, it, as you think about the pandemic, and, and, you know, we, we all think about how it affects ourselves. And you, you think, about how it affects restaurants and we think, oh my gosh, you know, I really miss being able to go out and, and, and see movies because the movie theaters are closed or there's no new product. Maybe we'll talk about something like that a little bit later. But then when you think about how does this affect the, the performers and how does it affect the, the, the stagehands and the people who do the lighting and all this type of stuff, and you just realize that the sooner, the sooner that we can get back to normal, the better it is going to be. All right, so here's the deal. The You know, one of the things that's been going on in Wauwatosa is you've been having a lot of these protests that are after dark, and they're geared at places, for example, the, that you go out to the mayor's house. Let's try to create a, a disruption. And the mayor was on our air the other day saying, well, just because it's not violent doesn't mean that it's a peaceful sort of protest. Interestingly enough, a number of communities – are taking the position that enough is enough when it comes to the protests and where they're allowed to be. For example, d- down in Franklin, Franklin is the home of Strauss Brands LLC, which is the, the state of the art, you know, meat packing facility. And you remember Strauss Brands was in the news a while back because they had made arrangements to move their facility from from Franklin and, and move it to Capitol Drive in Milwaukee, that, that Century City complex, and, and they would have provided hundreds of jobs. They would have provided a huge boost to that area. And you, you, you had that, that all fall apart because the aldermen for the area decided, well, we, I don't think we want a meatpacking plant down there without ever having visited the Strauss facility and realized what a, what a state-of-the-art meatpacking plant was. So anyhow, they, they killed it. And so you have no no, mo- no no jobs moving into an area of the city of Milwaukee that desperately needs them. And Strauss says, okay, we're, we're going to go ahead and, and we're going to expand in Franklin. And most people in Franklin are just I- incredibly happy about that. That's great. We're going to have more jobs in Franklin. It's going to help our tax base. Well, you do have a number of residents who have signed a petition opposing the expansion of the meat packing facilities. And and their objection it's not so much to Strauss in general but it's you know we we don't like we don't like slaughterhouses we we don't like the the meat that that sort of thing you know we, we just don't like that business so they, they've been protesting now my guess is this protest isn't going to go anywhere but the interesting thing is you have some of the residents who have decided that what they're going to do is they are, they're going to do what unfortunately protesters have been doing all over the country. We're going to go out to the homes of the elected officials, and we're going to try to create as much of a disturbance as we can. We're going to show up outside the mayor's house, for example, in the evening, and and we're going to honk horns, and we're going to disturb the peace, and, and we're going to try to essentially get ourselves on television. That's what they're trying to do. Interestingly enough, Franklin has an ordinance prohibiting picketing in front of individual residences or dwellings. And so what happened is um, the other night you had a bunch of these protesters who decided we're going to go out. We're going to do what, what people do all these other places. We're going to go out to the mayor's house, you know, in, in a private residential area. And, and we're going to we're going to demonstrate. Well, all right. The police got wind of that. Police rolled up, and they they wouldn't let the demonstrators come in. They said, no, you're not allowed to do this. We've got an ordinance that says you can't pick it outside of private homes. The mayor's is a private home. Sorry, you, you've you got to disperse. And, and ultimately, the protesters did, and they went somewhere else, and that's all fine. But it's interesting to me that, again, you have a situation where in Franklin, they just decided, we're going to use the laws that are available. We're not going to allow stuff to get out of control. And we're not going to allow people in the name of, of protest to disrupt, you know, private neighborhoods. And just because you're an elected official, you know, doesn't mean that the laws that protect everybody else don 't also protect you, so I mean you had again, maybe you want to call it the broken windows response, but you know Franklin police said we're, we're just we 're going to enforce this ordinance and, and no you, you can't pick it outside of private residences, so you're, you're going to just have to move on and in the case of Franklin, what happened is the the protesters, um, however misinformed they might be about this um, Strauss facility. They said okay, and they ended up moving on. Now again, I don't think this protest is going to go anywhere because this is unless we're going to get a point to a point where we're all going to decide that we're not going to eat meat, and I don't think we're quite at that point now. You, you need places, state of the art facilities like Strauss's are are just the, you you know you could drive past that Strauss facility and and you you wouldn't be able to tell it from a, a a facility that makes cardboard boxes versus a facility that makes aluminum cans you, you wouldn 't be able to tell it that that 's the modern meat packing facilities are completely different than maybe a hundred years ago and I understand some people don 't like the fact that we we eat meat and I understand that some people don 't like the fact that you know you have to have slaughterhouses but it, th- th- this is a great thing for Franklin. <clears throat> People can object; that's fine. But when they try to cross the line, the police are right to stop them. When we come back, a judge in Sawyer County—Who knows? You, group producing the show today—you have no idea where Sawyer County is, no? Nope. And you are from Wausau. I mean, you know. So you know you, and you don't know where Sawyer County is. A judge in Sawyer County blocks the Evers order, limiting capacity of bars, restaurants, and public gatherings. This is the same order that Tom Barrett says he's just flat out ignoring. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Stick around.
0: Come in and make that deal. Visit Heiser Automotive Group with four convenient locations or online at heiser.com. Ford, Chevy, Toyota, Lincoln, and Cadillac. Today's your day.
1: WTMJ five-day forecast for this afternoon. Mostly cloudy, windy, and mild with a chance of showers late to high temperature of 70 degrees. The winds could gust over 40 miles per hour. For tonight, chance of showers early, then mostly cloudy and still windy, a low of 46 for Thursday, becoming mostly sunny, windy, and cooler, a high 52. Friday, partly cloudy and cool, 54. Saturday, mostly cloudy, chance of rain, a high 57. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, chilly, a high 45. I'm meteorologist Brian Nisnansky with the Storm Team Forecast on WTMJ.
0: In Madison right now, it's 62 degrees. In Green Bay, 58. Waukesha, 59. And in Milwaukee, 57. I'm Eric. Bill Steadney's Radio, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstep, my producer grew, failed the Wisconsin geography test. Do you know where Sawyer County is? Sawyer County.
0: Central to (laughs) northern portions of the state, maybe over to the west a little bit.
1: Well, uh, I I guess if if I was grading you in geography class, I I might give you a gentleman C on that, Um, because the answer is not really. And the reason, of course, we ask is that this case involving Governor Evers and the injunction that came out of a, a court in Sawyer County. For people who do not know. All right. Sawyer County is about as far from here as you can possibly get. If you just just head Head extreme northwest, you know, right before you get to Lake Superior. At the very northwest corner of the the state, there's there's Douglas and Bayfield and Ashland counties in the extreme north northwest corner. Mm -hmm. And then right under Douglas, Bayfield and Ashland counties is Sawyer County population. Would you like to take a guess as the size of the population of Sawyer County? Just, um, just, seven thousand. Oh no, sixteen thousand. But it's tiny. I mean, you know, it, it 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 it's tiny. And um because the state law was changed a few years ago. It used to be whenever there was going to be a challenge to like state authority or things like that, you always had to file it in Madison. Mm-hmm. And and that's now been changed. So you have parties that are I don't know they're 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 looking around to try to find you know judges that, that might be more sympathetic sure, to them and sure. and so th- this lawsuit w- challenging the governor's order was filed by um, the Flambeau Forest Inn in the village of winter and the Sawyer County Tavern Lake and so that's why it ended up being in Sawyer County but l- let me put it like this um well, let's see. I I was in Sawyer County once and that was when when I was running for a statewide office a long long time ago. I made a point of trying to say that I could get to every county and and you you got to work to get there. I mean, God, God bless everybody that lives oh, up there. You. That that's it. But I mean, especially if you're from Milwaukee. You know, you travel up to Bayfield or some of these others. Um, the county seat is Hayward. Maybe people have heard of Hayward. That's Mm -hmm. the county seat of Sawyer County. But it's, it's to heck and go on from Milwaukee. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's to heck and go on from Wausau. And you're, you know, for those of us, from Wausau, those of us who are, are from Milwaukee, we think Wausau is to heck and go on. Well, you know, you, you get to, you get to Wausau and you still got a long way to go before you're getting to Sawyer County. Yeah, I tried to look it up, and I was like, "What is even the most populous city in this county?" And it's Hayward, and I don't even know where Hayward is. So, well, yeah, unfamiliar with the northwest and the southwest part of the of the states. Well, yes, but in any event, so that this is the, and of course the re, you're smiling, yeah, sure, no, I get it, I get it. <laughs> okay, we you, we should include that. Let's see, that's what you know it, when you're, it, when you do that feature with Bill, with Scafidi, where it, are you smarter than you know Bill said? What, what mm-hmm. they should do is they should put in a thing is, you know what what county is nearest. Uh, Sawyer County or something like that. A geography question. I like that. All right, See, there you can. go. Now just you know can. that. In any yes, event, why, why are we talking about Sawyer County? We're talking about Sawyer County because a circuit court judge in Sawyer County, and my guess is there's probably only one circuit court judge in Sawyer County off the top of my head, um, has issued this morning a temporary injunction Blocking Governor Tony Evers' latest order, um, limiting the size of bar, of the number of people you can have in, in bars and, and restaurants. You will recall, what was it, like a last week or so, the governor came out with this order saying that until November 6th, he was going to order bars and restaurants and other businesses. And there are exceptions to this, but their capacity was going to be limited to 25%. Now, the problem with that, Is that saying to a bar or a restaurant that your your capacity is limited to twenty five percent is essentially an order closing the bar or restaurant. I mean, it's you can't. If you talk to most restaurant owners and maybe there or or bar owners and maybe there are a handful of exceptions, but most people will tell you, you know, if you can only open to a quarter capacity, you might as well not open. You're you're not going to be able to generate enough revenue to stay in business. And of course, the Tavern League's point is after the, the previous closed-down orders where you've already seen Hundreds, if not thousands, certainly hundreds uh, of, of bars and restaurants that have closed and just haven't reopened and won't reopen, then if you do this again it, it's pretty much a, a death sentence for a huge segment of businesses and we're just talking about bars and restaurants but also other small businesses as well. So you have that dynamic going on. The city of Milwaukee, for example, has already said they're they're not going to enforce the order they're just and that part of the problem with the governor's authority to whatever extent he has it, is that he depends on, on local law enforcement and local health departments to enforce this. So the the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, essentially in a nice way, and you're talking about Democrats. Tom Barrett's a Democrat. Tony Evers is a Democrat. The mayor of the city of Milwaukee, I think under significant pressure from bar and restaurant owners, including some large ones, just said, you know, we, we have our own protocols in place and we have these procedures and we have enforced these and, you know, we, we are holding these bar and restaurants to this, but if you submitted this plan under which you can reopen, we consider this to be a better plan, more stringent than the governor. So rather than just taking this hammer approach and saying, we're going to close, you've got to, you've got to limit yourself to 25% capacity, which is essentially a closure order. We're going to, we're not going to enforce the governor's order. Governor's not happy about it, but that's the state of it. As I mentioned on Monday, Um, I I was driving around, it was just different places over the weekend, and my sense was this order was not being vigorously enforced. I I mean, I I didn't get the idea that in different communities you had local police that were going restaurant to restaurant or bar to bar and and trying to count the number of people who might be in in the different places. I, I didn't get the sense that there was aggressive enforcement of this either, which Again, raises this question about, you know, why do you put orders in place if you don't have a way of enforcing them? In any event, the governor's defense for this is he says, look, the covid numbers are, are, are out of control. Um, you know, we, we've we've got we've put these mask orders in place and, and yet the covid numbers are going up and up and up. We've had um, allowed places to open to 100% capacity. And it, got, it was fine for, you know, several months, but now it's starting to spike again. So the governor is saying, we need to close all these places down. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I don't want to discuss the legalities of this. You know, we've talked about that before in different contexts, whether or not the governor has the authority to do it. I want to talk about whether as we all recognize that we've got to do stuff to get COVID-19 under control, does it make sense for a statewide order saying all bars, all restaurants, all businesses, not otherwise covered by an exception, all of those places need to reduce their capacity to 25% or in, in effect close down. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's not talk about the, the legalities and the authority. Let's talk about the overall policy. Is this the best way to go ahead and fight the spread of COVID-19 by essentially closing down a huge chunk of the economy and, and putting these places out of business? Do you do it on a statewide level? And my point has always been... That I think this is an example of local control, and the fact I'm sympathetic to what Tom Barrett's saying. He says, "Hey, look, you know, M- Milwaukee is in a hot spot right now, and we've put all these different protocols in place, and we believe the protocols are working." I would defer to the local authorities as opposed to this whole statewide approach saying, you know, we have to treat what's going on in Green Bay the same way we have to treat what's going on in Hayward. 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line we discuss.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620.
1: 855 That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Number of texters breaking bad on my producer, grew for not knowing where Hayward was. Hayward is in, is in uh, Sawyer County. A Sawyer County judge just issued a ruling striking down the statewide capacity limitations that Governor Evers came out with last week. Let's start with Thomas on the east side. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Well,
2: good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, I... I I do appreciate that uh, business is being hurt when you reduce the amount of people. Uh, Of course, we don't want to shut it down, but uh, reducing it will hurt. But I went for the first time into a tavern since COVID about uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was late in the afternoon where there wasn't a lot of people, and no one was wearing masks. The bartender was, Mm -hmm. uh, and the security man was, but... Nobody was wearing. Now, this was early with maybe 12 people. Can you imagine when the places are jam-packed? They're not wearing it. It's a terrible place to be. One probably, in my opinion, the worst place that you could be is in a tavern right now at full capacity. I think it has to be done. I think this judge uh, overstepped his bounds, but even... That aside, I, I think it's a bad idea.
1: How long would you close taverns?
2: Well, see, that's, that's the terrible part because we really don't have an answer to that, do we, Jeff? Uh, we don't know what to do um, because the longer you close them, the odds of them not reopening uh, was, with any business uh, drastically uh, increases. And, of course, that's the last thing you want to do, but it would have to be... Two to three weeks, I would think, would be the minimum, wouldn't you?
1: Well, oh, thanks. That's well, it's an interesting point. I, again, I, I, I disagree with the one-size-fits-all uh, approach. I think that what you need to do, and, and that's why, and, and mark the tape on this. That's why I think Tom Barrett has has it right. That the city of Milwaukee was an epicenter for COVID nineteen in the beginning. If you look at the Milwaukee numbers now, they're not. And I'm not. And I'm not saying you don't have you know increases in Milwaukee County, but it's nothing like it, it was before. And, and what they did is they recognized they had a problem, and so they put in protocols in place. And you've got to you've got to do this and You've got to do that. You have to meet this point before you can reopen to this stage. You have to meet this point. To you reopen this stage. And what you had is you had a lot of bar and restaurant owners who ended up going through and they, they jumped through the hoops and they put in all these different procedures. And it appears as a general rule that, that it's working. And so I, I guess I would say in in city of Milwaukee if they're doing it right why do you all right, all of a sudden take three steps back because you have a problem going on in green bay and i guess see that's that's my point it's the one size fits all approach why do you look at say Sawyer county you know, population 16,000, where I, I believe since the since the whole outbreak that they've had like 288 cases. Why do you say that we need to treat the Flambeau Forest Inn in the village of winter? Why do you need to treat that the same way as you treat? I don't know, a problem in in Brown County where, where you do have the spikes. OK, that's number one. I, I guess number two. And, and this is the other issue that 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 I stop on. We don't know, or at least I, I'm not seeing any sort of evidence saying where the spread is coming from. And see, to me, that's the thing that you need to do before you're going to destroy businesses, whether it's restaurants or taverns or or small businesses, by saying that you have to close. Don't you think that there should be some showing that there's some sort of causation and and, you know, not just a correlation? Oh, the bars are open. The numbers are going up. But some sort of causation, saying, "Hey, where, where does this out? Where did the outbreak in Brown County come from? Did it come from lots of people going into lots of people going into bars and spreading this?" Or did it come from, I, I don't know, we had kids that went back to St. Norbert and, you know, they, they went to Kegger's and then they went out into the community. I mean, we, we should be able to know that. And if we don't know that, that to me is, is the larger problem. But But again, it may very well be that in a particular area you are able to trace this and say, hey, the reason we've had the spike in La Crosse County, the reason we've had the spike is by by talking to people who've who've had this, we know that 50% or 60% or 70%, we believe they caught it from going out to a bar or a restaurant, or they caught it from going into a a small business. Now, I don't necessarily believe that's the case, but that would be the, the situation. That's why to me, The emphasis needs to be on testing, and it needs to be on contact tracing, so you figure out where this spread is occurring, and then what you do is you tailor the response to deal with that particular spread. Okay, we pick it up right there. Uh, Judge in Sawyer County strikes down the order. As a policy perspective, is it a good deal or a bad deal? We continue the conversation in a moment.
4: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620,
1: 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Laurie in Delafield, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
4: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. What do you think?
4: Good. Um. I, I guess my concern is, well, my, my question is that They enforce the rules pretty strictly, like at grocery stores and big box stores and businesses. They have very clear rules. Usually somebody posted at the door, you know, checking on things, where in bars and restaurants they usually don't. And I guess that's probably why they're getting targeted. They haven't really enforced the rules in those places.
1: Now, see, the thing is, Lori, you you, you say that, and I know that there's a lot of – Servers and, and bar owners and restaurant owners that are listening to our conversation now and they are screaming at their radio saying, she doesn't know what she's talking about. We, we've cut back our capacity. You know, we, we, we only allow 35% in or, or whatever. So I, I, I'm sure you, you, maybe you're right about some things. I, I guess the problem is, it, it's, it's the problem with the one size fits all thing because I'm sure that there are businesses who, who, don't follow this, but I know that there's a lot who who do, and they feel they're being unfairly, they feel they're being scapegoated, I guess, by this one-size-fits-all rule.
4: Well, I would imagine that that would be pretty easy to you know, enforce if they went and checked it out and made mm-hmm. sure that these things were happening. But in most cases, especially in Waukesha County, I know for sure, because um, I, I worked at restaurants, I know mm-hmm. a lot of restaurants, and they really don't. Um, most people are just not wanting to, for whatever their reasons are, not wanting to, as a customer, wear masks or be what, socially distanced.
1: Why do you think that is? Yeah. I, I, I know that's not what you're called about, but I mean why do you why do you think i I was in i was in a grocery store yesterday i stopped off i I don't go to stores very often my wife does the shopping thank goodness but i was in a grocery store yesterday and it was amazing i i I saw i saw like this lady most people had masks on where i was but i saw this lady walking around and you know she had the mask pulled down around her neck and i i don't know if there was a medical issue you know who who knows about this stuff i just think she didn't like the mask why do you think people don't do that
4: think it's kind of a more follow the herd kind of a thing you know you're going out you're being social they don't you know you kind of do what everyone else is doing and it's not you know that's why when you go to a grocery store or a big box store or even the bank everyone's wearing a mask for the most part Mm -hmm. and when you go to a restaurant or a bar they're really just not Um, and I guess it's just that you know social Right. sort of emotional thinking.
1: Well, and also, I mean, I mean, you know, if if you're at a restaurant, you're you're there to you're there to eat and um the, the, you know, you, you you can't eat while you're wearing the mask. I mean, you can pull the mask up when the server comes and things like that, but it's I mean, the nature of it is the, the masks you, you you can't you can't eat, you can't drink while you're wearing the mask. So, there's always going to be that up and down.
4: Right, but they're not you know, they're also not keeping a distance either. Like especially at tavern.
1: Got it. No, thanks for. Well, that's you know that that is, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not going to say I haven't been in a bar in the last six months, but I haven't been in too many bars over the last six months. And, and the places that that I go, and, and this is, I admit, this is part of the thing that informs my, my position here. That the places that I go, as a general rule, take this very seriously, because the the restaurant owners and the bar owners. They, they don't want to have to shut down, and they don't want to get their customers sick. So, I mean, the the, the places and, – and most of the outdoor dining we've done has been – most of the dining we've done has been outdoors. I mean, we've we found there's a lot of places we like to go to that have patios and, and – that, that got us through the summer now what that 's going to mean in the next couple months that 's a whole different story mind you but but i I, I see some of these pictures and i 'm sure that there are bars where it 's just like you know like like it was two or three years ago, but I, I see a number of places. That, that I go to and I patronize where I think they are being incredibly responsible and and that's one of the things that all the places that are being responsible are are thrown in and they're being treated the same way as the places that might not be responsible and that's why I think you know mayor Barrett takes the position that he does he says look we, we put these rules in in place and you know we're expecting the businesses to follow them if they don't there's going to be you know you you know what to pay but as long as they're following them we don't think it's Bear to shut them down. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. <clears throat> I would agree with you that uh, the, the, some of the one-size-fits-all uh, 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 issues that Governor uh, Governor Evers is dealing with right now with his mandates you know, could, be, could be done in, in a normal situation. But I think we're in a crisis situation now in this state. We had a record number of individuals die from from uh, complications of COVID over the weekend. Our hospitals are being overwhelmed. So I think that takes that uh, they think because we're in drastic uh, situation, we need some drastic measures. And I would rather for the governor to err on on the side of of, of creating mandates and just basically saying throwing up his hands and saying nothing, like our state legislature. Uh, uh, who who is basically uh, absent without leave? Uh, we haven't heard anything from the state legislature. They said they had a plan. They said they had some plans and stuff like that that they wanted to bring forward, and they haven't said anything. And so they they're allowing this this virus to just run rampant in the state, and 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 I guess they're just out running to try try to get reelected. But the fact is, is that uh, uh, what is the governor supposed to do? The fact is, his, his his state is in crisis right now, yeah. and this and this virus is moving, moving faster than 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 than, than people
1: expected. So, does that tell you maybe? If if we're going to have mandates that come out of Madison, should we be able to show empirically that those mandates are are geared at solving the problem like I say but by, by that i mean if if you say okay we're we're going to we're going to take all the restaurants and we're going to essentially shut them down by limiting them to twenty five percent capacity Should you then be able to show okay, this is why we're doing this because we have traced x percentage of covid cases to 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 the restaurants. I mean, shouldn't you have to be able to do that before you single out a particular industry or a business?
3: Well, I, I think you should, but that takes time. What you're saying is they they should put put together a study almost, mm. and so and and that also takes the, the state legislatures to be involved in that as well yeah. to put together a study of how, how how this coronavirus is spreading and why is it spreading so so wildly in this state. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that takes time. But I think yeah, but
1: we have had seven months. We have had seven months. Well, well, well.
3: The well, the fact, the fact the fact was, is that that, that uh, the coronavirus was basically uh, uh, down here in, in in the southern counties, right. and everybody up north was saying, "Hey, we didn't, we don't need to follow those mandates." That's exactly what they did. They said, "We don't need to follow those mandates that you have in Milwaukee or or in Racine because we don't have a problem." And so they did, did exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to they always keep their bars and restaurants open, and now the virus has moved in their direction. Mm-hmm. And, so, so, and, and now it's moving throughout the state. And so, so I think, like I said, I'd rather okay, so care what, on the side And, now, and the I
1: appreciate w. that. So what do you say then to the mayor of Milwaukee who says, Vincent, I, I get it. We got it early. And so that's why we've put in all these different requirements on all these businesses. And you know what? We're, we're, we're not having one of the spikes. You know, we're, we've got ours under control compared to these other areas. So why, since the stuff we're doing is working, why do we go back and say, Oh, all right. Now we're, we're going to, we're going to make you take three steps back and we're going to close you down when we've allowed you to open up under these rules that appear to be successful.
3: Because the fact is, the fact is, is that it, he he can't guarantee that this virus is going to move back down into Milwaukee, because people people are people are mobile, mm-hmm. and the fact is, when because they're because they're mobile, the fact is, we can have a, a a breakout here, even though we have some of the the things that we have mm-hmm. under control right now, and so mm-hmm. the problem is, it's a statewide problem. We need to look at it as a statewide problem, mm-hmm. and everybody has to have some skin in the game and 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 I'm sorry that the mayor says, yeah well we're we're fine, but uh, but it could be quickly because now now we're sending people from 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 out state down here to be treated.
1: well, I guess my response is <laughs> no right, vincent, I appreciate the perspective and and I guess where where I disagree with you is i, I think. You you need to be surgical as opposed to what was somebody said to me the other day said, you know, when, when if if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like it's a nail. To me, I think you need to be surgical and you need to be smart about this. And and I, I guess you know, is it possible that you know you could see a resurgence of, of the outbreak in Milwaukee yeah yeah and if you feel that, that that resurgence is coming from i don't know the the bars and restaurants i guess see the then then you you can move and then you can say okay well well maybe we now need to to do this i guess what what troubles me about it is i really do think you have some some industries that are being singled out and we don't know if the the spike in brown county and we we don't know if it's due to people you know, who are sick, who are going into bars. We don't know if it's because of, you know, people who are going into certain workplaces. We don't know if it's the college kids at St. Norbert's, you know, or UW-Green Bay who are going to the keggers. We don't know if it's because there's a large number of people that are going to the local church and, you know, who are spreading it there. And and I guess I, I just think if you're going to allow some stuff to go on, you 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 shouldn't close down others unless you know that that's really what the cause of this is the other problem that you have again is is the enforcement of this and and that's I, I will say this. I say last weekend, just anecdotally, I, I'm, I'm not sure that you, I, I, I don't imagine that you have local police departments that, that are driving around and going restaurant by restaurant and bar by bar and going in and counting the number of people who are in the particular place and then checking it against capacity, which raises the larger question of, you know, h- how do you put in place orders if there's no realistic way of enforcing this? All interesting issues. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff
0: Wagner on WTMJ. A
1: lot of interesting texts about this issue. and I guess, I guess time will tell. I think the, the bottom line of all this is that people... See, people need to be smart, and you do need the social distance, and you need to, you know, wear masks when you're inside. Th- those are the different types of things, and and then hopefully we end up getting through this. Now, again, I. I know there's a lot of people and I hear believe me I get a ton of texts there there's this idea that I think if you've gotten COVID-19 somehow you it's it's part of the scarlet letter that means that you you've done something you're responsible and I, I wish I could show people or read some of the texts I get from folks who say hey, look we we did everything we you know we we and I I know people in my life who had this happen to them and it's like hey they did everything right it, it's and yet they they still got it which tells you about how persuasive and pervasive the disease is now that, it, I mean, the good thing is that again, with most of the people I know, and believe me, I understand what do we just cross like 1500, deaths. I understand that there, there can be really, really bad outcomes. Thankfully, most people who get sick um, get better. Um, don't have major symptoms in most cases, but nobody wants to get this. But it is this kind of battle that's out there. And I, I guess one of the things I am seeing is that some people think if you got it, you, you had to automatically be irresponsible. And I don't think that that is the case at all. Hey, there's two stories that are interrelated. Um, we, we talked about the other day, this story about how the hop, the the trolley, the streetcar, and, and what a mess it has become. In order to meet um, ridership projections that the city made, the conscious decision that they weren't going to charge for rides, and and you had Potawatomi that I believe sponsored it or underwrote it for for a year or so. All right, th- that that of course has now come to an end. So people that are riding the Hop, you you it's still free, but you you have to you still they still got to pay for the operations of this. Well, what's happened is. Um, fewer and fewer people are riding it because of the pandemic, but still you, you have the costs. What's also happening is during the pandemic, parking revenues... Which has been used to underwrite the cost of, of the trolley, the streetcar. Parking revenues. Uh, people, you know, people aren't driving downtown. They're not parking at parking meters. They're not getting parking tickets and things of, of the like. Not anywhere near they used to. So parking revenue is way down. So now you're in the situation where, okay, the, the parking revenue, which is used to underwrite the cost of the hop, that's not there. So that, that's not being generated. So now you've got these costs. The parking revenue isn't paying for this. So now the question becomes, do you have to dip into general revenue? Now the logical thing would be just to shut down the hop, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. Problem is, because you used federal money to build the hop, The Fed say, no, you got to keep it running. So even though there's nobody riding the darn thing, or very few people that are riding the darn thing, and even though it's just a huge pit when it comes to money, you still got to be doing this, even if it now means you've got to start a dip into maybe general revenue sources to pay for it. It's a complete and total mess, and it's one that in some respects was predictable. Well, in any event, I think kind of related to that, the story is that the city of Milwaukee is now going to start – enforcing certain parking regulations. Um, for example, starting November 2nd, alternate side parking will again be required, and overnight parking registrations and requirements are going to be put into place. Part of that is because you've got leaf collection and things like that, and it makes sense. And part of it is the city needs the dough. The city needs the dough from writing parking tickets for people who aren't following that, in part because... Again, that's where you get a lot of money that's there to underwrite the stuff. So I don't have any problem with starting to enforce parking regulations again because winter's coming on. you got to clean the leaves out of the gutters and things like that. But there's also that revenue-generating aspect. My big concern is, especially when you don't have people driving downtown as much, and you don't have those offices that are open, I think the parking revenue is going to be way down, whether you enforce the restrictions or not. And the question is going to be, where are you going to get the money to pay for the streetcar? Just a complete and total M-E-S-S. All right, when we come back, as long as we're talking about restaurants, um, another one bites the dust. We're going to discuss that. Daylight saving time disappears shortly. And... We're going to talk about mail-in voting and whether you're confident with it. All that's coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live
0: from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good
1: afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. So, Melissa, without telling me who you are going to vote for, are you going to be voting in this year's election? Yes, I already have. Oh, you are. Okay. That I was did absentee ballot. So, okay. Yes. And how did you return that? I assume you've returned the ballot. The ballot was returned to one of those drop
2: boxes. Okay.
1: So you put it in a drop yep, box. Yep, special how, drop that's box. That's how you did. Do you feel comfortable doing that? I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. 100%. Um, did you prefer that to like putting it in the mail?
2: Correct, because you can see that that's a specific place that those are going to go, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it
0: makes you makes you feel a little bit better. Well, no,
1: I I, I understand that, mm-hmm. Be, and that's going to actually we going to talk about in just a couple minutes because I know I have a lot of people who listen who work for the postal service. I, I hear that, and I, I'm a huge fan of the postal service. Mm-hmm. But but stuff happens from time to time when you when you drop that envelope in in the mailbox, you, you never quite know. You know, it's. It, of the time it gets where it's going. 99.9% of the time it gets where it's going, but you you just never know. Okay, so you've already voted. Mm -hmm. All right, good. Well, Melissa is one of, well, a lot of people. Right now, here's the numbers in Wisconsin. Now, keep in mind, the election is... Three weeks from yesterday. Actually, the election is going on now. We don't have an election day anymore. We have an election month or, or so. So the election day is three uh, three weeks from, from yesterday. Um, as of the most current numbers that I have, 1.4 million Wisconsinites requested absentee ballots, kind of like Melissa did. Um, and a matter of fact, today, is the last day to register to vote online today's the last day if you're if you it's not the last day to register to vote you you can register to vote in person you can register the day of the election up and then go ahead and vote but if you're going to do it online today is the the last day to do it but in any event 1.4 million people um have requested anti-ballots as of a day or so ago which are the last numbers i have 55 percent of those people who requested ballots have returned them, seven, about 756,000. Um, to give you an idea, that's 25% of the total vote in the 2016 presidential election. So let, let's put that in, in perspective. We are three weeks before the election and already 25% of the votes of people who, 25% of all the votes in the 2016 election have already been cast. And that, that's, that's as of a couple days ago. And you still have, there's, you know, essentially three weeks for other absentee ballots to, um, come in. For people who, who don't want to get the ballot in the mail who don't want to order it that fashion, who don't want to have to worry about putting it in a drop box like Melissa was doing or or sending it back via the U.S. mail or taking your absentee ballot in and actually dropping it off at, at the clerk's office, which you can do. Starting next Tuesday across the state, um, in-person absentee voting opens up from October 20th through November 1st. Municipalities can offer early, early absentee voting, and it's, what do they call it, early in-person absentee voting, which is where you you go in to the, the clerk's office, and what you do is, they check you know your bona fide days, and then they they give you that absentee ballot. And what you do is you fill it out, you put it in an envelope, and then you you you, know, you don't leave the clerk's office with it. You you put it in that envelope and you leave it at the clerk's office. So you have voted in person in the absentee fashion. And then of course there's election day, and people will be showing up at the polls as well. Our number is That six one six twenty. That is the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I of course. Intend to vote in, in this election. I, I don't, I, I, I'm not saying I voted in every election since I was 18 years old, but I voted in, in almost every election. And I've certainly voted in every presidential election and every Senate election. There, there might be some uncontested, you know, spring primary or something that I didn't vote in, but I, I appreciate the value of voting. And I, I certainly intend to vote this year. I am not going to be voting the absentee, the mail in process. Um, but as a matter of fact, my wife and I were discussing this the other day. It's like, okay, what are we going to do this year? Are we going to do the early in-person absentee voting? And we did that in the spring. You know, we, we didn't show up on on the day of the spring election. We showed up at City Hall the first day they opened up for the in-person absentee voting. Did it then. Could not have gone more smoothly. But we were actually having this conversation um, given normally I love to vote on the day of the election, I, that that just—and I've said this before on the radio—I I love everything about the the exercise of civic responsibility. I love going to the polling places. I love kind of standing in line with other folks, you know, and, and casting your vote. I love putting that ballot in the machine and seeing it getting registered. I mean, it to me, it's it is it is what America is all about. I, I love everything about that process. This year, there is the pandemic. There's no question about it. And going to a crowded polling place has less appeal. But anyways, my wife and I were talking about, you know, she says, I, I really think we should go on election day. I, I really prefer to do that. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, that, that early in-person voting, uh that that worked out pretty well. Our number 855-616-1620 that is the Acenet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Now I look, I I recognize that 756,000 people decided that, and that they've already decided they're just going to either put their ballots in the mailbox um or put them in the drop boxes, etc. So this is a very common way of doing things. I'm still not at that point yet. How are you going to vote this year? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by that, I don't mean who are you going to vote for. We'll have those conversations over the next couple of weeks. But I'm curious about the process, the absentee voting, the putting it in the mail. Are you comfortable with that? Or do you like the idea of going in in person, whether it's on Election Day, even in a pandemic, or whether it's between, what, October 20th and November 1st? In your municipality, when you have the option of going in person and voting in the absentee fashion. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you normally I am a show up on the day of the election and vote. Uh, this year I, I, I'm leaning towards that early in-person absentee voting. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 756,207, to be precise. Absentee ballots have already been returned. Um, 1.4 million were requested as of a couple of days ago. There, there's still time for some more requests. That number is 25% of the total of number of people who voted for the whole 2016 election. I understand people are doing it. I'm still not comfortable with the the mail-in voting, and that's why I'm wrestling. Am I going to show up in person on Election Day, knowing that there's going to be lines and perhaps a wait? Am I going to do the early in-person voting? 855-616-1620. Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi, I did uh, mail-in for the first time. I always go in person. And I did it because my mother's older, and I figured I'll do it with her. So we both got ours in the mail. I filled them both out and then I dropped them off at the library. And then um, they, con- they contacted me by text about five days later that one of them mine, of course, had something missing. And then they said they were gonna mail it back to me. I thought, that's pretty cool. Well, eight days later, I didn't get anything. I called them up again, and she said, well, we'll avoid that one. We'll send you another ballot. Okay, Okay. so I filled that That ballot came about four days later. I filled it out and dropped it off at the library again, double-checked everything. But this all makes me wonder how many ballots won't get counted, you know, that with a mistake or something on it.
1: Yeah, well that I mean, see and that's always the issue that you have, Tony, because if you show up if you show up on election day, you've got your ballot, you put it in the machine and, and you see that little digital thing slide, you know your ballot's been counted. And and that's and, and I mean I think it's great that they were able to reach out and tell you that you have a problem, but you do wonder you know how many ballots are are people not going to catch um especially if you're processing hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots that are coming in you know what 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 happens if they don't get around to looking at your ballot until I don't know election day, and they don't notice that there's yeah. a problem. Yeah, no. I, I see, no that makes, next time, Jeff, I'll Jeff,
2: I'll do it by the box next time. <laughs> got
3: it. No.
1: Well, thanks for calling. And again, it's we, we want to make it easy, and, and and I appreciate that. I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, number of texts here, Jeff, in person or absentee. Know that if the absentee ballot is not filled out correctly and is rejected, they don't contact that person and tell them it was rejected. It is simply discarded. Now, I mean, Tony said his experience was different. Um, on the other hand. If you vote in person, you get three chances to get it right. That's why I like voting in person and hearing that machine take my ballot. Um, yeah, Jeff, I voted absentee. Even though there was paid postage on the envelope, I felt more comfortable walking my ballot to the village hall and dropping it in myself. That's from Holly in Newburgh, Jeff. My husband and I always vote in person on election day. We will again this year, Jeff. We're going to be voting on election day. We're going to be voting first thing in the morning. It is kind of a tradition, I think, with a, with a lot of people. It's sort of like you know that the day after Thanksgiving, you know, when back when we have the true Black Fridays, and you'd have everybody that would kind of make it the event, and hey, we're going to we're going to show up. And we're going to be doing, we'll be outside the Walmart or whatever when it opens up at six o'clock in the morning. Voting is a little bit like that. I mean, I, I, I've always told the story. I mean, I, my, my parents always voted and they always, they always took us to the polls i mean I, I will tell you i have a vivid memory of the election in 1968 i'm a little kid and my my parents they ended up they back then they voted at my grade school and i remember that 68 was the nixon humphrey election and i can remember what happened is my dad came home from work and what my parents did is they bundled us up in the car and my brother and i and they took us and you know they they took us while to while they went in to vote you know we went into the grade school and they ended up voting and then we came back and we Went out to dinner. I'll never forget this. We went to uh, Mark's Big Boy on Port Washington Road in Glendale. But I, I can remember, that's kind of when I fell in love with voting in America. And I love, I love the process of this. Um, Jeff, mail in makes it e- too easy for Oh, look, we found these 100,000 votes that we didn't know. So yeah, Jeff, I'm going to be voting in person. My wife and I would like to see a trend taking that back to, um, for everyone. Jeff, we're going to be voting in person on election day, just like we did in the spring, in summers, Wisconsin. Jeff, I'm all, this Devin West Ben says, I'm all in favor of early in-person voting. Mark from Bristol says, Jeff, here's my suggestion. To people who feel comfortable mailing their ballot in, take $500 in cash, put it in an envelope with your own return address. If you don't have enough faith to do that in the Postal Service, you probably shouldn't be mailing in your vote. Well, I don't want to turn this into – I don't want to diss the Postal Service. I'm fans of that. But you're right. It's you. I guess you you never know for sure – you know, what's going to happen? Do I I think that you're going to have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of ballots that get tossed out because the Postal Service didn't deliver them? No, I don't think that's the case. I do think you're probably going to have ballots that get disqualified because, as our first caller, Tony, was talking about, somebody's made a mistake on them. You know, you haven't had something signed or witnessed or, or whatever that would be, and there, there's not enough time to correct it. That, I guess, is one of the reservations I have. Um, Jeff, I will be voting in person on election day. I would crawl through a mile of broken glass to do it. Jeff, I'll be voting at the polls on election day. I did an absentee ballot in the spring and it just didn't feel right. I figure if I can shop at stores, I can vote at the polls. Um, Yes. Uh, Let's see, Jeff, I'm going to be going in to do in-person absentee voting. Um, I'm uncomfortable with mailing my ballot in. Um Jeff, I voted absentee and drove it to a ballot box. Standing in line with strangers is not my idea of a good time, even in non-COVID times. Um, let's see. I, You know, I, I don't know. I, I, See, I disagree with that. I, I like the town hall thing. Let, let's put COVID aside. I like showing up on election day and just, again, you're standing in line. You've got your proof of identification and stuff, and, and you're, you know, you're there watching all the other people participate. I guess I I, I love election days. I, I just always have. Let's talk to Bill in Heartland. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, hi, Jeff. I uh, love your show. Listen for yours. First time caller. Thanks for calling. This got, this um, motivated you to pick up the phone. Great. Glad to have you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife and I absentee voted.
3: Um, we live in Oconomowoc. She took the absentee ballots down to the town hall and handed them to the lady we know. Oh, OK. So it's kind of like absentee voting, but uh, it was somebody we know, at least.
1: Right. Well, right. So what you so you didn't you didn't put it you didn't mail them back. You I mean, you, you voted, but no, then you he, dropped no, them off. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Now, thanks for calling. No, see, and that's no different. That That's that is a very a, that's that's essentially the in-person absentee voting where you for people who've never done that before, you show up at, at City Hall at your Post, at your polling place, municipal hall, wherever it is, and and what they do is they give you the ballot. You fill out the ballot. They give you an envelope, and then you you put the ballot in the envelope. You seal it up just like you would in a regular absentee thing. But then you you give it. You, you hand it to the the clerk who's there, and at least when I went through the process, um, it was it was the woman who was like taking the the different ballots, and she would be the witness. And so, you know, they would look at it before you left to make sure that you had you know crossed all your Ts and you had dotted all your eyes. In, in any event, I, I think this is going to be a year unlike. All others where if you 've already got 756 thousand absentee ballots returned out of 1.4 million and again there's going to be more that, that are going to be requested probably but that that's the number that you have you have now you know my guess is you know do I think it's going to get to fifty percent early voting no it's not going to get to fifty percent but I wouldn't be surprised if it gets I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to forty percent Maybe, as more and more people you know take advantages of these different things, somebody sent me a text saying, "I work on vacant homes um, so far twenty two absentee ballots have been found um, yeah i I guess i and i don 't know what that means. I assume that means it's absentee ballots that have been requested and and not returned um, i I'm not as worried about fraud as some people are. There's clearly, you know, that are going to be issues. I guess bottom line is I want to make sure my vote counts, and that means it's either going to be in person early voting or it's going to be the day of. My wife is pushing for day of. I don't know. She might be able to win this particular argument just like she wins most of the arguments. This is Jeff Wagner.